And we're going to talk a little bit about somebody you have heard of well, most of your life. Have you ever heard somebody talk about raising Cain? Turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And let's begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you again for your blessings. We ask your blessings upon the study of your word and help our minds to be clear. And let us learn something that we can apply in Christ's name. Amen. Well, you know, Adam and Eve, I guess you could say they got married. The Lord brought them together. And um, I guess it wasn't too long after this. It says in verse 1, look here in chapter 4, verse 1. Where it says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife. Now, this was not a formal introduction. Adam, this is Eve. Eve, this is Adam. No. It means that they um, prepared to have a child. That's the best way I can put it. She conceived and bare Cain. Said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, whether or not she knew or believed that this was the man child that the Lord had promised that through her there would be a child that would be the seed someday, and so she might have thought this was the one. I've gotten a child from the Lord. But notice in verse 2, and she bare again his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, there's nothing wrong with the jobs that they had. Uh, one had different jobs. There's nothing wrong with that. One raising, you know, cattle and sheep, and other ones working the land. Both of those are great jobs to have. There's nothing wrong with either one of those. But um, the problem came is that, as you'll notice in the next verse, process of time. Uh, see, we are living in a period called time. That's what our life is, our time of our life. And so there's like little blocks of time. There's a time to be born, time to live, time to laugh, time to cry, time to die. So uh, we're going through the process of time. Time has been processed. So um, that's how we process our life. You know, yesterday, today, uh, tomorrow, uh, 24 hours in a day. You know, when was you born? Everybody knows when they were born. And uh, how many of you know when you're going to die? Oh, forget that one. But time is being processed. But it says in verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So somewhere along the line, uh, these kids were raised to know that they had to make an offering to the Lord. And somewhere along the line, they had to reach that age of accountability where they were individually responsible to do the right thing. And so uh, I imagine that uh, now they've grown up a little bit and they knew their responsibilities but everybody doesn't always want to serve the Lord God's way. Some want to do it their own way. So evidently Cain didn't bring the offering that was required. Now, Abel did. So there were two individuals, and one was a fundamentalist and one was a liberal. One was a modernist. One makes up their own way, and the other one did it God's way. And you can see this as you read these scriptures and so you know that from the very beginning, Adam and Eve had two sons. Both sons had a sinful nature. So evidently, this was after 
they had been exited out of the garden. That's what you read in the last part of chapter 3. Now, you would think if Adam and Eve had had these two kids before they sinned, well, then those kids would have been all right. But evidently, they had those two kids after they sinned, and they had conceived. So it says in verse 4, And Abel he brought of the firstling of his flock, of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, because it was the kind that God required. Even when Adam and Eve sinned, isn't it not true that they covered themselves with fig leaves, and the Lord had an animal killed, and they were covered with animal skin. The innocent dying for the guilty. So that was a lesson taught from the very first day that they sinned. So they understood. And so there's a lot of things that God told them. Now, a lot of people think, well, these people, Adam and Eve, you know, they were, um, they were like the cavemen. You know, they were really, really, you know, backwards. Uh, they didn't know English so they grunt, grunt, and they had to learn how to make fire. And Well, I don't believe that. So I want you just to look very quickly over there in chapter 4. And look what he says here in verse uh, 16, where it talks about Cain. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a cave. He built a city. A city. And then in verse 18, excuse me, verse, um, oh, let's go down here to uh, verse 20. And Adel bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and as such as have cattle. Now, you don't see them living in caves and uh, walking around with a bent knee gate and grunt, grunt, and all that. No, these were not cave people. This is not prehistoric man. There is no such thing as prehistoric man, because we have the story of the first man. There's no history before that. So, uh, this is why I don't believe in the Cro-Magnon, the Heidelberg man, the Pithecanthropus erectus man, Nostralopithecine man, and all these links that's supposed to be in the evolutionary ladder. They exist only in the mind of an evolutionist because they're not real. But no, notice something else. In verse 21, and his brother's name was Jubal, who was the father of all such as handled the harp and organ, I mean, this is the first family, right after the first family. And in verse 22, And Zillah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. So where was the Stone Age? I mean, this is right from Cain. This is right at the beginning. So you don't have all this that you hear about. And, um, and plus, they could speak. Adam said... Eve said, Cain said, they said, so they knew how to talk. They knew language. So what you hear about the beginning from the evolutionists, not true. So I believe the Bible. There is not another book that goes back and tells us from the very beginning what happened, except the Bible. Isn't it amazing that we do have a Bible? What if there hadn't been a Bible? Then who knows what we would believe. But when people don't believe the Bible, well, look how their mind goes. And so, therefore, we are very thankful that we have us the Word of God. So, Cain did not bring the right offering. See what he says there in verse 5? But unto Cain 
and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. In other words, he knew God did not accept what he wanted to sacrifice. He worked hard, and he labored, and he brought the works of his hands. And Abel brought a sheep. God respected that one, but not the other. And always remember this. When it comes to truth, there's God who lays down, this is what I want. This is what the right way is. Just, just do it. And so the Bible tells us that Cain was wicked and Abel was righteous. So does the Bible actually say that, though? They were righteous. Uh, Abel was righteous because of what he believed about what God said. And Cain was wicked because he did not believe what God said. And so there was a price to pay. And the Lord told him, says in verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? What you, what you so upset about? All you have to do is bring an offering, and there is an offering at the door. In other words, maybe there was another little sheep or something like that, and all I had to do is bring it. It's right there. So you see there in verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not, well, sin lieth at the door. Is he referring to a, a lamb that's right there? And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, Abel will submit you being firstborn. You'll rule over him. So you don't have to worry about it. Just do what's right. It wasn't because God loved Abel and he hated Cain. No. He could have corrected the problem, but he chose not to correct the problem. And that's the problem, is that people don't correct the problem. After they know what's right and they know what's wrong, and they sometimes still do what's wrong. Now look in verse 8. Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So the firstborn son kills the second one. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? Now do you think the Lord already knew where he was? He probably already knew. So he says, And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? I know not. Is he lying? He's lying, he's dying, he's lying. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, you were the oldest one in the family. Where is he? What hast thou done? So in verse 10 he says, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So even though God knew in advance even what Cain would do, God didn't stop him. Then well, if God knew that, why didn't he stop it? God doesn't stop all people from doing wicked. People can do wrong to you and God won't stop it. And you can do wrong to somebody else and God won't stop it. See, God allows you to make wrong decisions. And God allows people to suffer the wrong from your decisions. And sometimes there's a great price to pay, but it's not over yet. There is still a price to pay, and God will deal. That's why you can commit things to the Lord, or you can take revenge. But if you take revenge, usually you get caught. Now, Cain was very concerned about this revenge business. Because the Lord says, you got to leave, get out of here. And so he was going to be a vagabond, just a wanderer. Just hither and thither. 
And he says, well, everybody deceived me. He's going to try to kill me. So God put a mark up on him that nobody was to kill him. What it was, it doesn't say. What it, you think it was. You can imagine anything you want. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But the Bible says that, uh, he says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. See there in verse 13. My punishment is greater than I can bear. But look also what he says there in verse 12. He says, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. So the lost man is pretty much like that. He's lost and he's wandering. And he's typical of the, the lost man. But God says that his blood crieth unto him from the ground. So God knows that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. So the Lord knew what happened to Abel. God allowed it to happen to Abel. But God also had the other one, Cain. He got to live. But he had punishment that was greater than what he could bear. So who wins? Who wins? You'll find out when we get to heaven... All the wrong that people do to us may be working to your advantage because it gives you the opportunity to be found faithful for which God's going to reward you when you get to heaven. So um, it says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. And that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. So yes, it's coming. And just believe that. So we know in verse 16 down through verse 24, it talks about Cain and his family and the kids that were born and uh, multiple marriages started and all these kind of things. So from the line of Cain, we believe wickedness came. And that's where you have them influencing those who were born from Seth, his line. And that's why we have the flood. See there in verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Another seed. And to Seth, to him, also there were born a son, and called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So there's two lines. One begins to call upon the Lord, and the other line does not. And so as time goes on, you find out that the sons of Cain influences the sons, and they saw the, the daughters, and they took all that they wanted, and multiple marriages, which began in his day. And this is why I believe you have all this judgment that comes upon the earth, because it was destroying all of mankind. Now, what I want you to do is take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, you'll notice that there's something that God says here in his word. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and notice there when he starts talking about faith and what faith is. Well, what is faith? How does it work? Well, it, it's pretty good, really, when you get right down to it. And that is where he brings out a statement about Abel. 
And you notice there when he's explaining what is faith, that in the Hall of Faith chapter, the first one it mentions is Abel. See there in verse 4? By faith, Abel. And when it says by faith means there's a young man that believed what God said. Why did he offer the sacrifice that he did? Because God told him to. By the offering of the sacrifice means he believed what God had said. Now, you're not saved because you offer the sacrifice, but the sacrifice was saying, I believe what God said. And so he had a testimony that pleased the Lord. And the Bible also says that though he is dead, he yet speaketh because of what he did. And it's just like Noah, even though he's dead, he still speaks about faith because we have the stories. And we can know what does it mean to live by faith, taking God at his word. So if you believe what God said, even when it comes to salvation, well, then you trust Christ as your Savior because that's what God says to do. Trust the Lord. So once you trust the Lord, he gives you eternal life. Okay, now you have eternal life. So then he says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So how do you walk? By faith. Believe what God says about being married, having children, having a job, how to worship God. All the things that God wants you to do, he tells us. And so living, living your life is taking God at his word and believing it. So this is what you do. So look there in verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. See the comparison? By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Because you could testify, this is what Abel did because of what he believed. Oh, he believed God and he offered a sacrifice. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So each one of these individuals, as you go down through here, is giving witness to their faith in the Lord by what they did. Now when it comes to Enoch in the verse 5 and 6, Enoch pleased God and he had the testimony that he was righteous and God took him. Just took him. And he disappeared. Well, that's wonderful. What a testimony. But it was because, why did he have such a good testimony? Because he believed God. He took God in his word and believed it, not only for salvation, but for his life. So in the process of time, after you've trusted Christ as your Savior, in the process of time, as you are living your life, are you living by faith? Because this is what we have all these Old Testament stories for. Because God uses them to testify to us. And even though they are dead, they still are testifying because they're written in Scripture and we can still learn from them. And so in verse 7, he says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So here Noah believed God. We don't even know if he'd ever seen rain before. And he's going to make an ark. And how's he going to get all those animals to come? Well, he just to do the, his job, and God will do what he's supposed to do. So sometimes we're trying to figure out how is God going to do this. And it's because we can't see how God's going to do something, 
Well, we just don't believe he can do it. And so we don't do what we should because we don't see how God's going to do what he should. God just says, look, you just do what you're supposed to do. Wouldn't it be neat if all of us would just put the Lord first and trust in him? Then he talks about Abraham down in verse 8, living by faith, living by faith. But isn't it something that the very first person that was killed in the Bible is the very first one that's in the Hall of Faith, the Hall of Faith chapter, talking about what is faith? And the reason Cain wasn't good because he, he did not believe God. And if you don't believe the Lord about a sacrifice for the sins, then there can be no salvation. You have to believe that what Christ did was for you. And so he makes his statement. Also, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Just turn to your right there. Not too far, but just a couple pages. Because one refers to the first birth and one refers to the second birth. And just like you have whenever you're born into the world, that's your flesh birth. Okay, well, Cain represents the flesh birth. Abel, he came second. That represents your second birth. One flesh, one spirit. First birth, second birth. See how easy that is? And this is why whenever you go through and you find out that Jacob and Esau, and you also have Saul and David. But it's, it's amazing how it stays pretty good. But anyway, here in 1 John in chapter 3, in verse 1 he makes this statement. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, when are you called the sons of God? When you're born into the world? No. Only when you trusted Christ as your Savior. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, then you became a child of God. And then he says in verse 2, Beloved, now, now, not down the road, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Now, one day we're going to be like the Lord. Now, some people think that means that we're going to be about the same age. Or what are we going to be? I don't know. I don't try to put too much in it. I really don't care. I'm just going to be glad I'm there. So, however, he works everything else out, and, you know, am I going to have sideburns? Am I going to have a mustache? You know, I don't know. I mean, for years I had a, well, not years, I decided to grow me a nice mustache. I mean, it was a big old black mustache. And I thought I looked pretty good in that black mustache. I was out in Colorado, and some people said, are you a Mexican? I said, no. You look like you're a Mexican. Oh. So one day I was standing in front of the mirror looking at myself. But I was trimming my mustache. And I didn't want it to go past the corner right there on my mouth. So this one just a little bit shy. And I realized I got it a little bit too high. So I tried to make it even on this side. So. And then that's too high. Then I had to try to get it on this side a little bit more. 
You know, by the time I got through, I looked exactly like Hitler. <laughs> I kept on because I couldn't get them the same on both sides. I cut the whole thing off, and I ain't had one since. Because the last thing I wanted to look like was Hitler. So um, what are we going to look like when we get there? Well, I don't know. But there's two births. One when you were born in the world, one when you were trusted Christ as Savior. Now, as you go down through here, you'll see some things that are very interesting. But it goes all the way down and talks about somebody that was born. Look down in verse 12. You say, well, what, what's this got to do with anything? Verse 12. Not as Cain, which was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. He was of the wicked one. The wicked one is the devil. Cain was of the devil because he had the devil's old nature and did what the devil wanted him. The devil is a liar. He is a murderer. And so what did, what did he do? Where is thy brother? I don't know. He lied and he killed. Just like his daddy, the old devil himself. And get this, and slew his brother and wherefore slew he him? Why did he do that? Because his own works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Now, what did they do that was so different? Well, one offered the fruits of his hands, the labor. He offered that. And the other one, Abel, offered a blood sacrifice. And that was what God says to do. So one believed God, one did not believe God. And so you have these two births. Now look up here. I've used this before. I'll do it again. This is when we are born into the world. This is my first birth. This is like Cain. And then later on, when I was 18, I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I was born into God's family. Now in God's family, I'm his child. This is a type of Abel. Abel believed, Cain did not. Two separate individuals. So the Bible says it was done in such a way to manifest the first birth from the second birth. So we know now that the first birth, there's none righteous, no, not one. And so man cannot save himself. So God says you cannot earn eternal life. So what was Cain trying to do? Earn eternal life. God says you cannot earn it. It's not by your works. So here you have Abel, and Abel believed God and accepted a blood sacrifice for his sins. A sin offering was an offering for his sins. So he believed that. So he was declared righteous, and Cain is unrighteous. So whenever you and I are born into the world, we have a first birth, flesh birth. Then when we trust Christ as our Savior, we have a new birth, spirit birth. This one's born of God. This one cannot sin. This one cannot do anything righteous. So they are totally opposed to each other. So I have these two births. And God uses that same illustration right here when he's explaining something that's really awesome. Look there in verse 9. In verse 9, Whosoever is born of God 
doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. All right, look up here. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And the word there is poeo, which means cannot commit one single act of sin. Now, some people like to say the word is prazo, which means to practice sins. And sometimes in your notes, they use that word prazo, meaning to practice. Well, if you're saved, you're not going to practice sin. Everybody I know is an expert at it, alone practice. But it's not prazo, it's poeo, it means you cannot commit one single act of sin. That's the new birth. This is why when you trusted Christ, this was born of God. God has no sinful nature. This one has no sinful nature. His seed, incorruptible seed, remained in me, cannot sin. This one over here is corruptible, has a sinful nature. And this is why. Now look there in verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil... Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. All right, look up here. This is the one that does not do righteousness. Can't. It's of the flesh. And this one doesn't love his brother. This one hates. And he's talking about a guy like Cain. That's why he says in verse 12, not as Cain. Now look what he says down in verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a what? Murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You say, well, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, and I hate my husband. So are you saved? <gasps> now you've got worries. But I hate, I hate Muslims, and I hate... And you go a list of all the people that you hate. And I hate the people at work. Well, wait a minute. Ah, if you hate, you can't have eternal life. You see how people can get confused on something like that? You read that verse and you got mad and hateful and, oh, I can just kill them. It's, ah, that's a sign you're not saved. But see, it doesn't really say that. That's just when you don't know the answer or what he's talking about, that's, how your mind runs and it. imagination works. But now look up here. Which one of these hates? This one over here. This one is not the child of God. This is the child of the flesh. This one hates. And this one hates this birth. He has no eternal life abiding in him. Not the first birth. But see, when you trust Christ as your Savior, God didn't change this one. He gave you a new birth. You see, Cain and Abel were not the same person. They were different. It was a new birth. When you trusted Christ your Savior, this is a new birth. It's not this one redone. This is a new birth. So this one, born of God, doesn't have a sinful nature. And if it doesn't have a sinful nature, it doesn't hate its brother. Hatred comes from over here, the works of the flesh. And he has no eternal life abiding in him. And God says this was done so that it would make it manifest those that are of the wicked one, the devil, and those that are of God. You see, all of the devil's children sin. All of God's children don't. 
but I have two births. So therefore, there's a part of me that was a child of the devil, and now I am a child of God. I got two. And buddy, can you get confused? But when I sin, it's this one. And when I serve God, it's this one. So I make choices all day long. Wouldn't it be neat if we had total control of our mind to yield totally to the Lord and only did that which was right and manifest only the fruits of the Spirit? But whenever we sin against someone and we want to do the evil, and I hate you, we know we're walking in the flesh after the flesh and we're not walking with God. So it's a good way for you as an individual to discern for yourself. Well, am I bringing forth the works of the flesh? Or am I bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit? You can decide that. That's why an unexamined life is not worth living. Let me give you one more over here. Look there in the book of Jude. The book of Jude. The book of Jude talks to us about, a, well... A lot of these false teachers and heretics, you know, and soothsayers and, well, all these people that cause us nothing but a lot of problems. But look what he says down here. and says in verse 8, Jude, chapter 1, it's not in chapter 2, but in verse 8 says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring a railing accusation against him, but says, the Lord rebuked thee. In other words, don't feel that you can take on the devil. Even Michael the archangel doesn't feel qualified to take on the angel. He must be a pretty powerful angel. And you, when you read the ninth chapter of the book of uh, Daniel, you'll find out that he had been hindered, the angel, from helping and answering Daniel's prayer for 21 days. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes that you and I cannot see or fathom. Now notice what else he says. In verse 10, But these evil speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beast, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. It means they go in the direction of establishing their own righteousness and think that that's good enough. And they don't accept the payment Christ made, but they form their own man-made religions. Do we have man-made religions today? Lots of them. You see, there's only one main truth, and it's Christ, and He's the only way. But a lot of people just can't believe that it's just by grace. So you can't just believe. Okay, so what do they do? Add to believe. If it's not just believe, well, the only way you can make believe into something else, you've got to add something to it. The only way you can add anything to faith is you've got to add works to it. There isn't anything else to add to it. But when you add works to faith and grace alone, you've changed it. It's not believe alone. It's 
You're help. So you've added works to it. That's what Cain did. And um, when did this start? This, when did this religion start? In the very beginning. With the very first child. Adam and Eve had already sinned. And, but then he comes along and then he got corrected since. But one of these days, all of these that believe in works for salvation are going to be dealt with. But look what God says about those who teach and go their own way. They teach their own man-made religion and will not trust Christ as their Savior. So in verse 11, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. Well, that was because there was a, a man by the name of Balaam, and he got Israel to sin and do wrong so that God would punish them. But the thing is, is God did not annihilate them. See, God can punish and chastise, but he doesn't annihilate his children of Israel. They're always going to be a people. There has to be a remnant. And just like with you and me, God may chasten some of us, maybe take us home before our time. But all of God's children, all of them, the Bible says, Satan hath deceived the whole world. Aren't you glad God doesn't annihilate all of the believers? Wouldn't be nobody to talk to anybody. So God knows what he's doing. But now look what he says about these people who do not accept God's way. They make their own way. So he says in verse 12, these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, cared about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, who without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. This is how God describes all these religious people. From Cain all the way down. And then he says in verse 13, Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. See, when you don't accept God's way of salvation, there is no other way. There's no plan B. There's only plan A. And so whenever they don't trust Christ as Savior, people say, well, well, when I go to hell, I'll, just, I'll see John over there and Susie over there, and we'll just get together and take up an offering and air-condition a place. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. But the Bible describes hell as a place of Darkness. Darkness. Like wandering stars forever in a sea of darkness. See what it says there? In whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. There's no light there. No light. Dark, dark. You remember when you were a kid, a little bitty kid, and somebody turned out the light on you, how scared you'd get? You ever play, you know, try to beat a boogeyman? Or had somebody beat a boogeyman come after you? Remember as a little child how scared you'd get? Well, just think when there is absolutely no light for all eternity, it's like being in a lake of fire without light, wandering stars for all eternity. Now, those who reject God's way of salvation, this is what they're in for. Do they win? They lose. And then notice what he says here. In verse 14, Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these. So the Bible here in the New Testament is counting the seventh from Adam 
and telling you how many there was. And even Enoch preached before the flood. And he says in verse 14, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So did Enoch back then, before the flood, did they know about Christ coming? Power, great glory with his saints. They knew all of this back then. But see, if we didn't have these things mentioned in the New Testament, we might never know those things that they knew and preached. And who knows what all kind of a message is that Noah preached. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. So he was a preacher. And I believe they knew an awful lot that we don't give them credit for. The Bible even says that God preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Saying, these shall all nations of the earth be blessed. I believe Abraham understood what he was talking about. And he talked about the seed, the incorruptible seed that would come from him, which is Christ in Galatians in chapter 3. So all these things were in there. And then whenever you read Hebrews in chapter 11, when he talks about Moses, how that Moses, he himself esteemed the reproaches of Christ. Greater treasure than all the treasures of Egypt. So he knew about Christ and the treasures, the reward that he would get, and it would be greater than being Pharaoh of Egypt. Moses knew that. So you see, just because we weren't there doesn't mean they didn't know. How much they knew, we don't know. But we are warned in the Scripture you don't want to be like Cain that establishes your own righteousness because there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Christ and Christ alone. So Christ died on the cross, paid for our sins, and if we accept that payment, he gives to us as a free gift everlasting life. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you so much for all the things you've given us and what you've taught us. We ask your blessings upon the service to follow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.